0: This is a Courageous Church podcast, equipping and empowering you to live a courageous life. Join us now as we listen to a message from Courageous Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. What a book, Joshua. If you got your Bibles, we're going to be in chapter four. I use a different version than Pastor Jason, so you get the new living translation today for our Bible scholars out there. It'll be on the screens as well. This is a book, if you've never read Joshua before, this is a book of moving forward, but it's also a book of war. And this is a book where, the series we're in, it's called Taking Ground, which is amazing because we're moving forward. However, the downside to it is if we're taking ground, the enemy's losing ground, which means there's a battle going on. There's a war going on. And we get to be right in the middle of it. We get to be doing this with God. And so Joshua's moving forward in uh, uh, the book of Joshua. He's taking the people of Israel, uh, those that had faith to go forward. Those that didn't, they died in the desert with Moses. And now we pick up the story, and they're moving forward, going into the promised land that God was going to give them. Chapter 4 says, When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Joshua, Now choose 12 men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. Uh, Verse 5, he told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark, of the Lord your God, each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder. These are big stones. Twelve stones in all. One for each of the twelve tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial in the future. Your children. Say children. Say children. All right, you're awake. I love it. I know we just moved to mornings, right? So everybody's still kind of asleep. We were doing evening church. Now we're back in the morning. Uh, I like morning. By the way, morning's a good thing uh, to, to move back to. Okay, so in the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel Forever, we're going to skip down to nineteen, chapter four, nineteen. It says the people crossed the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month. Then they came. Uh, then they camped at Gilgal, east of Jericho. It was there at Gilgal that Joshua piled up the twelve stones taken from the Jordan River. Then Joshua said to the Israelites, "In the future, your children say, children." Well, ask, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground for the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes and he kept it dry until you were all across just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up until we had all crossed over. He did this so that the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful and so you might fear the Lord forever what a story. God stops the river. They walk across. They pick up 12 boulders. They're carrying them on their shoulders. These poor guys. (laughs) Like, God picked you. Ha ha. Um, They're moving across, and God says, build a memorial. Build something here so that your children can see it and ask, because we're a forgetful people, are we not? We forget, by the way, today's title is called, We Are a People, a Legacy People. Okay, so you're going to hear from the heart of an old youth pastor. I was a youth pastor for eight years, and I love talking about the next generation. So we're talking about kids today. We're talking about building memorials because we forget stuff. Y'all can't even remember what you had for dinner Wednesday, and you were there. That's just this week. I mean, take it six months ago. You don't remember anything. It's little because we forget because we're in the here and now. And that's just human nature. We forget. So God says, build a memorial because your kids are gonna need to know about this. Because God's not just a God for now, but God is a God that thinks generationally. And God wants to remind them because it's easy. They're going to get to a place where God did it for them and then forget that God did it for them and their children won't know about it. And God says, that's unacceptable. We're building a memorial so that your kids are going to ask about it so that that generation can know that I'm God too. Because God's got, he doesn't want to stop the river for them too and continue this. As we move forward, we're taking ground. Our kids shouldn't have to take the same ground that we take. Amen? So God says build a memorial so that they know what I did there. Because God thinks generationally. We think here and now. We forget what God does, God thinks generationally. All of the battles that you're fighting right now, they're not for you. They're for the next generation. Every addiction that you break is for the next generation. Every temptation that you deny it's for the next generation. Sure, you benefit, but they so much more. And if we don't, come on, they walk and run in the same places that we walk and run in. And they're going to struggle the way we struggle if we don't take a stand and say, not anymore. Because we got to think generationally. Every battle, every struggle, every challenge that comes to you, you're overcoming it for not just you, not just now, generations. Amen? Amen. My father-in-law says it this way. He says, in every deed, there is a seed. He wrote a book called Legacy Now years back, and uh, it's a good book, Uh, but he was trying at the time to get our church to see that God is a generational God. Everything we do, we're sowing seeds. Every deed that we do, everything that we do, we're sowing a seed that's gonna be reaped in the future. And if we uh, learn to think and live generationally and not just live in the here and now, come on, we leave not just an inheritance, but we leave a legacy. An inheritance is what you leave for, The next generation, a legacy is what you leave in them. And so God's telling them, I'm going to do miracles through you. You're going to take ground. This is going to be a battle, but we're going somewhere and I don't want to have to bring your kids through the same battles that you went through. So let's build a memorial so they can know that we've already beat this, that we've already overcome this, that we're moving forward, that we've taken ground, So how do we live as a legacy people? I'm going to give you three things, and I promise not to keep you all afternoon. You gave me a lot of time, Pastor Jay. Uh, I won't take it all. My pastor always says, blessed are the short-winded, for they will be invited back. Uh, So amen, I got one. (laughs) That's funny. So three things if you're taking notes. If you're not, you can listen to this on the podcast later and do it then. Number one, legacy people model personal excellence for the next generation. Legacy people model personal excellence for the next generation. Ephesians 4 1 says, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Live a life worthy of your calling. See, legacy people live a life of personal excellence. When it's our time on the stage of life, we got to model it for the next generation. Because soon it'll be their time on the stage of life. And they're going to do what we did, and they're going to act the way we acted. They're going to model it after the way we modeled it. So when it's our turn on that stage, we better get it right. We're going to show them what it looks like to be God's children, to live by faith and not sight pray for our enemies to be generous. We model personal excellence. We model a life of faith. See Jesus came to show us not just a good way to live, the best possible way to live. And he invites us into that. And so when we are faced with decisions as those of us on the stage at the moment, cuz there was people before us that came onto the stage. And we got to watch them. And hopefully they led well. But then it's our turn to get on the stage. And it's not just about being here right now. It's about who's coming next. It's about who are we bringing along. It's about how can I make sure that I get this thing as far enough down the field during my time on the stage so that they can start way down there instead of back here. Some of you come from families that have done that. Some of you don't. I married into a great family that did that. I come from one that didn't. And so I have to model. I'm I'm trying to model my personal excellence after what I see from my in-laws, not from what I saw from my parents. I'm not saying my parents are bad. They just had different values that I want my kids to have. These values instead of those values. Does that make sense? And so we model our lives, and we show our children. We show the next generation, not just our kids. I'm talking about. The church, the younger kids, the ones sitting out there, the ones back in the room and there. These ones right here, my buddy Shadrach. Gosh dang it. Meshach. I, hey, it was a one-in-three shot, and I knew Abednego or Abednego wasn't here, so, so 50-50. Meshach, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I just met you. It's his first time here. But, but it's for him. It's for him. We model so that when it's his turn on the stage... He can take it further, and he doesn't have to fight the same battles that I fought. Because the enemy's not going to give up. He doesn't sleep. We just keep moving forward, and we keep taking ground, and we keep saying, we're going to build a memorial. We're going to build a memorial. We're going to show these kids. We're going to show the next generation that we got this far. It's your turn now. It's your turn now. Because God's wrapping this whole thing up in a bow, and he's bringing it back full circle, but we're on a journey with him amen? So we model personal excellence. More is caught than taught. The next generation watches this more than they listen to us. I see this in my own life. So one of my strengths is procrastination. I'm really, really good at it. And I've been good at it for most of my life. And it gets me into trouble Uh, because if it wasn't for deadlines, I'd probably get nothing done. But I wait till the very end. Now, my wife, she's not like this. She gets a task, and she's, like, just done with it. I'm like, I got a few hours or weeks. I'll get to it then. And I started looking at, like, why am I like this? And I realized that my dad was like this. My dad was always going to get around to it. That was, like, the thing. He even had a magnet on his refrigerator. It was a wooden circle, And it said, to it. It was a round to it, because he was always going to get around to it. And I said, oh my gosh, I'm living this out. And you know what's sad? My oldest son is a procrastinator, (laughs) because he's watched me do it. And I'm like, man, I need to fight this battle now so that he doesn't have to fight this later with his kids. And so I force myself, I'm trying, I force myself, I love to start projects, I hate finishing them. (laughs) I'm forcing myself to finish projects so that my son sees it's good to finish. It's good to get it done. It's not good to procrastinate, even though I say that's my strength. I wanna go further so that he doesn't have to battle that because it's gonna save him so much heartache and so much headache. And so more is caught than taught. My first language is sarcasm. It's not English. I am a sarcastic son of a gun. Okay? So is my daughter. And all of a sudden I hear and I'm like, whoa. Like, where'd you learn that, your mother? No, come on. (laughs) I gotta wrestle with it. I gotta watch what comes out of my mouth because my daughter's gonna do what I do, not what I say. And so, me, I have to model personal excellence for the next generation so that they can go further than me. Romans twelve two says, Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Don't copy the customs of this world, the behaviors. Let God transform you. When you're faced with a decision, don't compromise. Don't compromise. Steal your spine, swallow hard. If it's a difficult one, you do it anyway. Why? Because it's not about you. It's about the next generation following you. It's about going further. It's about taking them along so that when it's their turn on the stage of life, they already know, oh, we don't do that. My parents divorced when I was 12. My kids will never know what that's like because I'm not going to let them know what that's like. It was painful. I hated it, but it stops with me because I'm going to go further. And I'm going to show them what it's like to have a godly marriage, to love one woman for the rest of my life. That's my story. That's a conviction for me. But I want to model that. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. But it's right. And I don't want them to wrestle with that and have to fight that one out. I want to show it to them so that they can come to me one day and say, Dad, how'd you do that? Well, I'll show you. It's already inside of you. You can do it. Our children will run down the paths that we walked good or bad. To be honest, I constantly try to discipline me out of my children. (laughs) Model personal excellence. That's what legacy people do. Number two, legacy people intentionally engage and invest in the next generation. Legacy people intentionally engage and invest In the next generation. Proverbs 22, 6 says, direct your children into onto the right path. And when they are older, they will not leave. As a church, I see this all over the place. We have generational divides in the church. We have older people that hang out with older people. We've got middle-aged people that hang out with middle-aged people, and then we got younger people that hang out with younger people. And we need to break that. We need to find ways to intentionally engage the next generation, to intentionally get out there, because you know how much wisdom is sitting in this room that can help them? But it's awkward, isn't it? You walk up to them, and there's, like, nothing, and they don't say nothing, and they don't respond. Just me? <laughs> Teens can be tough, right? But you do it anyway. And you keep going because eventually that wall breaks down. I intentionally do this. In my neighborhood, there's like 20 teenagers that live in my neighborhood. And guess whose house they hang out at? Mine. You know why? Because I've invested in them. I go out there. I get to know them. I know their story. I know what's going on in their life. I ask about their school. I ask about their sports. They come running up to me all the time. Mr. Doug, guess what I did? Mr. Doug, Mr. Doug watch this video of me playing football. They like, they want to tell me. They don't do that to the other dads. And I'm proud of that because I've invent, intentionally invested into them and engaged in them. Why? Because I'm looking for those moments that I can sow seeds into them because they're there. I had a young lady at my house the other day hanging out with my daughter and she was telling me about her day and it was like 10 minutes of negative. Everything was bad and this is bad and that's bad. And she struggles with depression and anxiety and they Parents have her on uh, pills, and, and I just, at 10 minutes, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is all negative. Tell me something positive. She thought, and then she told me something positive. I high-fived her. Bam. Give me another one. She gave me another one. High-five. Bam. Give me another one. She gave me another one. Boom. I said, that's three positives. I said, come on, girl. Let's focus on the positives. She doesn't know what I'm doing, but I'm sowing seeds. Because we can choose to look at the negative or the positive. Somebody's got to teach her that. And if I've got that open window of opportunity, I'm going to take it because I'm building relationship. That doesn't happen if I don't engage. Those moments don't open up if we don't engage with the next generation, if we don't engage with the kids. To be honest, the children's ministry and the youth ministry should be the two places in a church that has a line of people trying to get in there to volunteer. Why? Because if it's not about the next generation, it doesn't even matter. These are moments that we get with the next generation where we can sow seeds into their life. But Pastor Doug, I I come to church because I need to get fed by the word of God. I get that, but that's what the internet's for right now. Come on, we can listen to this on Monday, on Tuesday, on repeat, over and over. We don't get those moments again we got to get in there. And so, and I'm not saying every week, and I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I'm just saying, once a month, get in the kids' ministry, not for you, for them, to open up those doors to have conversations. I had a great conversation with Mr. Mike here today. I heard all about his life. You know how much cool stories he's got? Do they know it? They need to, because there's some wisdom there. He could save some time for somebody. He was talking today about succeeding in life because you have courage. I'm like, yeah, confidence. Confidence. That was the word you used, huh? Confidence. And I'm like, shoot, I wish somebody would have told me that at 15. I was insecure. I needed Mike in my life. We need to intentionally engage with the next generation so that we can sow seeds into their world. Deuteronomy 6 Six and seven says, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. God is a generational God. Again and again, again and again. It's for the next generation. You have a story that needs to be shared with those that are standing on your shoulders. We got to engage with them. And it's awkward until it's not. Just keep trying, keep engaging, keep asking questions and keep waiting for God to open up the opportunity to sow seeds into their lives. The number three says legacy people pray for and declare God's word over the next generation. I don't know if you've noticed, but there is a war going on over our kids right now. And if the enemy can't kill them in the womb, he'll try to destroy them in the classroom. And we better wake up, church. We better realize that this has been going on since the beginning of time. This is nothing new, not for us. In the Garden of Eden, when Eve sinned, Genesis chapter 2 says that, that uh, Genesis chapter 3, it says that, that God put enmity between the woman's seed and the serpent. It's been going on since the beginning of time, and if we're not, if we're not alert, church, the enemy gains ground. So we need to be alert. And by alert, I mean we need to pray. We need to be aware of it. Childhood obesity is up. Depression is up. Anxiety is up. Self-harm is up. Drug overdose, suicides, they're all growing. And the church needs to step up. The church needs to pray. The church needs to declare uh, over the kids. We need to learn to play offense and not defense. We need to learn to get out on the front lines and say, nah, not here, not now, not with my kids. I'm not going to ship them off to somebody else to raise them. It's my time. It's my turn. It's my time on the stage of life, and I'm going to stand in the gap and fight for these kids. We're going to pray for them. We're going to declare God's word over them. That's why we need people in the kids' ministry, so that we can declare God's word over them, so we can pray for them. And I'm not saying you got to have a prayer service for them. You can quietly pray for them. You can lay hands on them, and they don't even know you did it. When uh, Pastor Jason and I served in youth ministry together, one of our core values was 12, not 21. In uh, the book of Luke, we see Jesus at birth. We see Jesus at 12. We see Jesus when his ministry starts at 30. Why did God put 12 in there? I believe it's because if we can reach a generation at 12, we don't have to rescue them at 21. And so we had a core value that we were going to do everything we could to reach him at 12 and put God's word into them and get them on the right path, model Christianity for him, model a life of faith for them. That doesn't mean we're perfect. It means that we get back up when we stumble. It means that we bring them along and we pray for them. We declare God's word over them because if we don't reach them at 12, we're going to have to try to rescue them at 21. And so that was our core value. We wanted to get on the offense and not on the defense because... It's about the next generation. Your battles aren't for you. Taking ground's not for you. It's for them. And one day they'll take ground, not for them, but for the generation after them. And so we pray. And that was our core value. 12, not 21. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. It's one of the core values of Courageous Church is that we are passionate about prayer. And we pray. And we sow seeds of prayer. And when we're with the next generation, we know that there's a battle going on. It's been going on since the beginning of time. But God's, God's warriors need to stand in the gap. And God's warriors need to pray. And God's warriors are tired. But we've got to remember, it's not about us. It's about the next generation. It's about being a legacy people. It's not what we leave for them. It's what we leave in them. Proverbs eighteen twenty-one says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. I, um, my, my youngest son, Colin, who is unbelievable, he's a killer kid, and he's like, totally extroverted, and we have so much fun together. So we have like a new visitor line at my church that, you know, they line up and the and pastor goes by and meets him and um, prays for him and, and that kind of stuff. And I get to go walk through this line before him and meet all the people and pray for people and hear stories. and It's so much fun. And my youngest, he likes to come along with me. Like, he's like, yeah, let's do this, Dad. Let's meet people, and let's pray for people. And I love it. He's nine, and he's learning what it's like to be uh, to be a young man of prayer and to be extroverted and to get out there and, and, and to, to connect with people. Um, and last year he started playing football. Football in Texas is a big deal. Uh, I don't know if you know that. Like, you are assigned a personal trainer at birth um, if you're a male. And it's, it's serious. And they dump money and, and they have stadiums for like little kids. And it's like, wow. We didn't have that in California where I grew up. Um, And last year, he started playing tackle football. He was eight. And when I met his coach, I said, man, what can I do? Can I help with anything? He goes, man, I need another coach. Would you consider helping to coach the team? I'm like, well, I've never done that. But he's like, oh, I'll teach you how to do it. I said, "Okay, fine. I'll I'll do it. I didn't know how big of a commitment it was. Uh, I also didn't know how big of a blessing it would be, and to have a group of eight-year-olds looking up through their helmets with these big eyes looking to me, who doesn't know what he's doing. They don't know that. I'm faking it till I make it. Uh, Looking up at me uh, for direction (laughs) and encouragement. And, uh, I mean, some of these kids, I was like, oh, what's your favorite team? They're like, I don't know. I don't watch football. Okay. How come you're out here? My mom made me. I was like, all right. We'll start there. Uh, But I got to invest in these kids. And what they didn't know was that while we're at practice, I'm praying for them. And when I get an opportunity with them, I'm speaking God's word over them. Not with verses and in some of the same language, but I'm speaking God's truth over their life. And I'm encouraging them and I'm building them up and they don't know it but it doesn't matter, because it's a seed that goes in the ground. And I didn't realize, oh my gosh, coaching is like the greatest thing in the world. Like, I am loving it. And toward the end of the season last year, we had uh, one of our games. um, One of the young men showed up and realized that he had forgotten his helmet at home. And his dad got really mad and dropped him off and drove all the way back home, which took a half hour to get there, another half hour back. And he brought him his helmet. And I was on the sidelines, and he was sitting behind me, uh, the kid was, and the dad ran up and he goes, here you go, stupid, and walked off. And I turned around, and I looked him in his eyes, and I said, Anthony, you're not stupid. And he put his head down. I said, no, you look up at me. I said, I want to see your eyes. I said, Anthony, you're not stupid. And he looked down again. And I said, no, I need you to hear this, Anthony. I said, you're not stupid, you're smart. You're very smart. I said, do you understand me? He said, yes, coach. I said, no, put your helmet on, because we need you. We're thankful to have you on our team. Get out there and play. I wouldn't have had that moment. And I don't know if he even remembers it. It doesn't matter. It was a seed that was put out there for him. So that next time somebody tells him he's stupid, I hope he hears my heart. I hope he can remember looking into my eyes saying, you're not stupid, you're smart. I get to spend time with you every week. I know who you are. You're smart. God created you as a masterpiece. I didn't use the Christian language, but I got to speak the seeds of truth into his life because I intentionally engaged in his world. Come on, men and women of God. We got to look for legacy moments where we can intentionally engage and declare God's word over the next generation because there's a whole bunch of people out there telling them what they can't do. The world has a great way of beating you up. We don't need more of that. We need more people speaking life and hope and faith and truth over the next generation, so that when they get up on this stage, they're further down than we are. Amen? That's why we build a memorial. Because we're a generational people. We're a legacy people. I'm going to close with the scripture, and then I want to pray. Ezekiel 2230 says, I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. God says, I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the walls so that I wouldn't have to destroy the land, but I found no one. My closing question is, will you stand in the gap? Will you be somebody that stands in the gap for the next generation that doesn't let these moments pass by? Because it's not about us, and it's not about now. It's about the next generation, and it's about moving them further along. Because they're going to do great things, and they're going to expand the kingdom even further. And as we take ground, come on. We're moving forward. We're seeing Jesus declared in his glory on the earth. Father, thank you so much for your word. I pray that you bring the right young people into this house because this is a house that loves them. This is a house that prays for them. This is a house that believes in them. And I pray that you send us young people that are hungry and that are thirsty for hope for faith, for love, for encouragement, so that we can stand in the gap and that we can fight for them and that we can move this along further. I pray, God, that you would strengthen every man and woman in this room. God, that you would Remind them that they have a story. They've got a testimony. They've got things that you've done in their life that they can pass on to the next generation. God, we need help tearing down the generational divides in our churches so that we can be a one people moving in one direction in unity. So, Father, I declare over this house that this house is filled with legacy people. And, God, I declare your blessings over this church. With our heads bowed in prayer, let me ask you an important question. If your heart stopped beating in the next few minutes, are you at peace with God? Do you know where you'd spend eternity? Because if not, I'd like to pray with you. I'm not here to condemn anybody, but I'm here to help you find a new beginning. And I know that this comes from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and in a moment if you're not at peace with the Lord or maybe you're a Christian but you've grown cold toward God and you know it's your time to rededicate to recommit your life to Christ if that's you in a moment I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith and to stand right where you are and we'll pray together I can't think of a better time to get on the road to victory than right now God is not mad at you Your sins have already been forgiven. All you have to do is accept God's free gift of Christ's salvation. Will you do it today? The enemy in your thoughts will tell you to do it later. Do it next week. Do it at the grand opening. No, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. You're not hearing this by accident. You might be saying to yourself that it's embarrassing to stand in front of anyone, everyone. Listen to what Jesus says. If you won't be ashamed of me before people, I won't be ashamed of you before my Father in heaven. I want to give you a great opportunity to show God that you're not ashamed of him. If that's you, you want to commit your life to Jesus, or you need a fresh new start, a new beginning, would you be bold and take that step of faith right now and stand so that we can pray together? Anybody in here? Stand. Come on. Let's give him a round of applause. Come on, church. This is huge. Anybody else? Come on. Anybody else? Stand. Take that step of faith. Wants to commit or recommit to Jesus today. Come on. There's another one. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? Be bold. Don't miss this opportunity. Let's all pray together. Say, Jesus, everybody, Jesus, come into my heart. I repent of my sins. I make you my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. We're so thankful for you. Thank you for listening today. If you were blessed and you want to be a part of what God is doing through Courageous Church, including ways that you can give, visit us online at CourageousChurch.com.